With the massive failures of Fauciism on full display, some public figures are finally coming around to the disaster of the past two years. We welcome the conversion, but I have just one question for them. What took you so long? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. Oh gosh, looks like people are finally starting to see reality, including some of those who are center left, or maybe even on the left. And this is a good thing, I'm not saying it's not, and they're welcome by the way, I, but come on in. Take that red pill, come on over to our side, the side of truth, reality, decency. Yeah, all that stuff that's been completely abandoned during the COVID madness of Fauciism. Well, some folks are starting to see it. And look, it's not just Barry Weiss here, who was on the Bill Maher show and was speaking some real truth that people need to hear, is that the audience full of left-wingers were actually cheering for her. But here is Weiss on the Bill Maher show talking about how this whole policy of mitigation and Fauciism has been a catastrophic moral crime. Watch. We were told, you get the vaccine. You get the vaccine and you get back to normal. And... We haven't gotten back to normal. And it's ridiculous at this point. I know that so many of my liberal and progressive friends are with me on this, and they do not want to say it out loud because they are scared to be called anti-vax or to be called science denial or to be you know, smeared as a trumper. <laughs> I'm sorry, if you believe the science, you will look at the data that we did not have two years ago, and you will fi- find out that cloth masks do not do anything you will realize that you can show your vaccine passport at a restaurant and still be asymptomatic and carrying Omicron. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime. He's right. He's right about all that. The only thing I would add, though, is that a lot of this has been known, including by people like me, and a lot of you watching this, for almost two years now. Certainly about cloth masks, which have always just been an absurd joke. But beyond that, we've known for many months now that asymptomatic and vaccinated spread of COVID is all over the place. That the vaccine program in terms of stopping the spread is an enormous failure. That's what any reasonable, rational person would see at this point. But if you look at the CDC, which is, speaking of catastrophic failure... The worst federal bureaucracy in existence right now, and that's saying a lot considering what we've got with the FBI and the IRS and some other crappy, to put it mildly, federal agencies that have completely destroyed the trust the American people have in them. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky is out there playing word games still on behalf of the CDC. She's their chief. Remember how we've been telling you for a while they're going to change fully vaccinated so that you have to get a booster? Well, they don't want to say that because that feels a little too obvious. So now it's Oh, if you get the booster, then you're up to date. That's the language they're going to use. Playing games, watch. And what we really are working to do is pivot the language to make sure that everybody is is as up to date with their COVID-19 vaccines as they personally could be, should be, based on when they got their last vaccine. So importantly, right now, we're pivoting our language. We really want to make sure people are up to date. That means if you recently got your second dose, you're not eligible for a booster, you're up to date. If you are eligible for a booster and you haven't gotten it, you're not up to date and you need to get your booster in order to be up to date. So I just had Omicron. Am I supposed to get a booster? I just had it a week ago. That's why I wasn't on the show, just to tell you all that. So what? Who says that that's a good idea? I got to get a booster shot now for a virus that I just beat? 
That's completely insane, right? Oh, but no, nope, they're not going to make any, no allowances for natural immunity in this country. Not with the Democrats so invested in their narrative of control and also their narrative of being right, which they haven't been. They've been wrong about everything. Fauci is an evil tyrant. He's a bad person. And he now, he now knows that he's got the tiger by the tail and he can't let this thing go until we're through the pandemic so you can pretend like we're at victory because everyone's going to say, hold on a second. Why did we do all this crazy crap? So we've got to keep it going until the virus naturally recedes, at least in the springtime. Then all of a sudden they'll declare victory for the virus and say, don't destroy us in the midterms, Americans, please, please. No, no, destroy them in the midterms. Here's Fauci, though, on how we're not back to normal. Gee, no surprise. I wonder why. Watch. Acceptable control is when the level of infection, but particularly and more importantly, the level of severe disease that would lead to hospitalization essentially is integrated into the general burden that you have of infectious diseases, particularly during the winter months. For example, with respiratory syncytial virus, para-influenza, and even influenza. If we get there, which I hope we do, and I believe we can, then you're going to start talking about looking at some real returning to the kind of normality that we're all craving. Today, we're not there. He's just the absolute worst, isn't he? Yeah, we're not, we're not there because of you, Fauci, because you and your bureaucrat buddies have failed on every level about everything. And you just keep saying the same crap, because what else are you going to say? We're wrong about everything? Sorry we ruined so many lives and businesses. Sorry we destroyed people's childhoods and made them fall behind in school and develop anxiety disorders. And tens of thousands of people took their own lives in excess of what we'd expect in a normal year because of all the despair out there. Yeah, I don't think he's going to admit that anytime soon. He's also never going to walk away because he's a little megalomaniac. And this is really ultimately for him all about him. So he's telling us he's sticking it out to the very end. We're going to have to pry that little turd out of the CDC. Watch. Does any of this make you want to leave your post, leave your job? What does your family say? Well, um, obviously, it's very stressful on my family, my wife and my children, the continual attacks and the ad hominems that are related to nothing but pushing back on the public health principles that I talk about. But this is too important. This is the kind of thing that I've devoted my entire career, uh, certainly over the last 40 plus years, in public health, science, and medicine. And we are in a crisis right now, and there's no chance I'm going to walk away from this. This is something that's too important. He is the biggest failure to have been in a United States government role in a position of power like this in living memory. The absolute worst. And yet he thinks he should stay because he's done a good job. How has he done a good job? In what way has he been right about anything? Meanwhile, crazy libs in the blue states continue to make their populations suffer. Here's a California state senator who wants to introduce a bill to lower the age of consent for the vaccine from 18 to 12. Let's get the youngest kids possible to get the shots without their parents even knowing. Watch. We've introduced new legislation, Senate Bill 866, which will lower the age of consent uh, for receiving a vaccine from 18 uh, to 12 uh, to allow our uh, teenagers uh, to be able to protect their health, uh, whether from COVID or other uh, serious diseases, uh, and to ensure that our schools uh, are safe. Uh, so SB 866 is a very simple uh, bill, just provides that if a teenager, um, anyone 12 to 17, uh, wants to uh, be vaccinated, they can go in uh, and be vaccinated. Uh, as long as the vaccine it has been approved by the FDA, 
um, and recommended uh, by the CDC. And as long as they meet the clinical criteria, they'll be able to be vaccinated. Why, why shouldn't parents have to know about this? 13-year-olds going to get shots because the FDA says so? Hmm, interesting. These people have lost their minds. You know that, right? They're suffering from a mass formation psychosis. They don't like that term because it really capsule, uh, captures the situation so well. A mass anxiety disorder even. Here's the views Sarah Haynes telling everybody that she's never going to ride the subway without a mask again. Watch. I think there's a prudence we've learned with the mask, the hand, sanita uh, hand sanitizing that kind of like 9-11 with flying is always going to be here now. There's a new normal. In the beginning, when, at post 9-11, people didn't want to fly and the security measures felt like, uh, how do we do this? You know, and now it's the norm. I think some of the things we've learned in this pandemic are going to stay the same. I may never ride a subway again without a mask. I may never go indoors to big crowds and ever feel comfortable without a mask. And that's up to me to do that. I mean, if she wants to go through her life displaying mental illness like this, that's up to her. But we've all had enough of this. No more. No more. This is not forever Fauciism. Not on our watch. We got more on this with Dr. Kristen Held when we come back. But first, let's talk about the stock market. Look, it's very volatile right now. One of the few people who predicted the 2020 crash is warning that something really big is coming in 2022. His name is Mark Chaikin, and his newest prediction has gone viral with 1.5 million views. I know Mark. He's a 50-year veteran of Wall Street. He's a very smart guy. I'm encouraging you to pay attention to this message. According to Chaikin, a historic event in 2022 will cause a massive shift in the wealth divide, and it's going to affect anyone who owns stocks. He's predicting that a new form of technology is going to disrupt everything and change the way thousands of companies do business in 2022. It'll affect everyone from Apple to Amazon, he says. Watch his full brand new warning free of charge by going to 2022stockmarketmessage.com. That website again is 2022stockmarketmessage.com, all one word, 2022stockmarketmessage.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Throughout the pandemic, public health officials have omitted uncomfortable truths, made misleading statements, and advanced demonstrably false assertions. Falsehoods and half-truths have consequences. Publishing flawed signs to raise irrational fear and making false statements about the efficacy of treatments constitute bad scientific practice. American people need public health institutions to be transparent, much like ones named by Dr. Robert Malone, who recently had this to say in Washington, D.C. Take a listen. These vaccines were designed for the original Wuhan strain, a different virus. Whether they made sense for protecting our elderly and frail from the original virus is irrelevant. These genetic vaccines are leaky, they have poor durability, and even if every man, woman, and child in the United States were vaccinated, these products cannot achieve herd immunity and stop COVID. The natural immunity which healthy immune systems develop after infection and recovery from COVID is long-lasting, broad, and highly protective from disease and death caused by this virus. If there is risk, there must be choice. If public health institutions won't tell the truth like Dr. Malone, they don't deserve the public's trust. Joining me now is Dr. Kristen Held, a doctor from San Antonio, Texas. Dr. Held, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you hitting on this critically important topic. So why do you think that federal agencies and organizations like the CDC 
are pushing recommendations that at best involve some guesswork and uncertainty and at worst rely on a lot of fear mongering and hollow reassurances. Well, you know, nobody really knows the true reason behind that besides the people that are doing that. But I think it's very multifactorial. One thing that is very concerning to me is what's called the noble lie and that they are telling us information to try to influence the way that we may behave or the way we may react. It's almost like social engineering, um, as if we, the American people, are not smart enough or uh, grown up enough to be able to deal with truth and reality. And there's no room for that. Um, I think that they're, what they've done is prolonged the pandemic. If you wanted to have a playbook for how to mishandle a vaccine and how to prolong a pandemic, you would use the exact public policy that they've done as far as their, our public health policy in this last year. Um, the fact that they ignore natural immunity, um, as Dr. Malone was touching on, is astounding. The fact that they um, are doing a one-size-fits-all vaccination uh, program that if we sit back and look at this, I think when we armchair quarterback, we may see that that not only prolonged the uh, pandemic, but probably contributed to mutant escape and having uh, what's happened now, as you said earlier, and as Dr. Malone said, the vaccine was made for a virus that is no longer here. So, the so virus Dr. that is here I, now can I ask doesn't you just, cover. Just, just one thing, I think this is um, something I'm gonna be facing here soon. I just had Omicron last week, confirmed, had the test. I mean, mm -hmm. it's 99% Omicron, they tell us, so I'll believe them, okay. So 99% likelihood I just had Omicron. Now I have beaten Omicron, I'm fine, I'm healthy, I'm testing negative. I'm told that in New York City, it's likely that to be up to date, that's their new version they're using instead of fully vaccinated, it's now up to date. I may be told that I have to get an Omicron specific booster when they come out in March, or at least get some booster shot now, which would be from an entirely different shot series than the J and J shot that they made me get back in August that they now tell me doesn't really do anything for me. So on, on what medical basis are they, are they, are they premising all this? Like how, how am I supposed to think that I need an Omicron shot when I just had Omicron? Well, it's on absolutely no scientific or medical basis. It's apparently on a whim of the bureaucrats, the lifelong bureaucrats and politicians that either don't have the um, wherewithal to use the technology and the science that we have, the data that we have at hand. Instead, they are pushing incoherent policy that makes us distrust them. Apparently, what science is showing now is that Omicron may, it's so hopeful. It may provide reverse protection. If you did not have the prior strains, now having Omicron, many people say if you could design the perfect vaccine, it would be Omicron. So instead of doing that and testing and saying, how many people have actually developed natural immunity from having actually had the infection? We have that data, but they didn't collect it. They don't tell us. They give us skewed, cherry-picked data. I don't understand it, and it's incoherent. We need credible data. We need data that's up to date. It doesn't help us to be pivoting and acting now in 2022 based on data that was virus that was around in 2020, and we're doing that. We need to be able to pivot. We need to be able to be constitutional. Um, what they're doing with the vaccine passports, the lockdowns, the damage that they're 
causing the collateral damage from very, very poor policy that's incoherent is mind boggling. I, I wanted to have you react, Doc, to Fauci here when he was asked about some of the mixed messages from the White House and the CDC and, and however the public is saying, wait, what? It's, it's conflicting sometimes and it's also absurd sometimes. Here, here's what he said. The pivoting of communication around what it means to be vaccinated, that is really difficult for people. And it's causing people to not go get the booster. How do you fix that? Well, you try to be clear and concise and articulate. Let me try. You think that's what's happened so far? Well, I'm not going to comment on that. Of course, he's not going to comment on that. I think what she's getting to here is even for some people who are mask worshiping Fauci lovers, uh, they see the situation in the country now and they say, oh, hold on a second. You just told me I was fully vaccinated a few months ago. Now you're telling me I'm not fully vaccinated. So what am I supposed to make of that? I think that's more than just a messaging problem, Doc. Well, it's more than a messaging problem when we all develop Omicron. Um, when you are told that the vaccine will protect you and then it doesn't, and you see the people in your family who have been vaccinated, who haven't, and both groups have it, you realize that what they're telling you is not the truth. And, you know, when they, when they run on one policy and then they implement another, that's also very confusing and it also undermines our trust. So really, I think that there's very little reason to trust really anything that's coming out of the CDC, the NIH, the NIAID right now. And that is really heart-wrenching. We need to have policy that is compassionate and conscionable. We haven't even touched on the fact that the very vaccines that they are pushing one size fits all in certain age groups are causing problems. And the first thing that we need to do as physicians and as Americans is do no harm. And the second thing is we need to be honest. We have to have, as Dr. Malone says, integrity, dignity, and community. And we can't have that when we're not getting the truth, whether there's no excuse for it, the noble eye or not. Um, We need to have credible up-to-date advice from the CDC. And right now, all we have is incoherent policy that's making things worse and causing Dr. Hell, thanks for being with us. We appreciate the expertise. Thank you. President Biden is weighing sending thousands of U.S. troops to Eastern Europe as fear of a Russian invasion in Ukraine continue to mount. Coming up, author Brandon Weikert stops by to give his thoughts on the latest news. I want to talk to you about protecting the most valuable asset you own, your home. You know you've got homeowner's insurance for a good reason. Without it, a fire, flood, or burglary could destroy you financially. There's another major crime your homeowner's policy doesn't cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes that can ruin you financially. That's why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone, from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way under your home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Enter code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with Brandon Weikert. Stay with us. A report states President Joe Biden has considered deploying up to 5,000 troops to Eastern Europe Sunday while increasing the military presence by tenfold if Russian President Vladimir Putin acted on his escalating threats to invade Ukraine. The move came amid rising tensions about Russia's military buildup on the Ukrainian border, And they were not eased during talks Friday the 21st between Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in Geneva. 
president previously raised alarm with a series of comments in his first solo White House news conference, including the implication that the Western response to a minor incursion by Russia would be less robust than expected. Let's talk to Brandon Weikert. He's the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Brandon, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Buck. All right, let's start with this. You recently wrote an op-ed for the Asian Times. Thanks to the West's inability to think through things strategically, Russia is going to have its way in Ukraine. Here's a highlight in the piece you wrote. So long as Moscow believes the West seeks to control Ukraine and make it part of its alliance against Russia, Putin will risk a world war to keep the territory away from the West. For Putin, this is not only a matter of strategic importance, it's also a family matter. Explain, man. This, this is pretty, uh, that's pretty intense stuff. That's, that's big picture stuff. Yeah, so basically, uh, going at least back to the 19th century, uh, Russia has had a blood tie to uh, Crimea, of Crimea and eastern Ukraine, certainly. Uh, Catherine the Great conquered the, the territory back then with her, uh, her aide, Colonel Potemkin. Uh, and so that's always been a long-running uh, sort of tie connecting Ukraine, at least part of it, to Russia. Even before that, going back to the ancient Kievan Rus, there are cultural ties that connect uh, Russia with Ukraine. So it is very much a family matter. This is very much a blood feud that the United States has gotten itself into, I think quite by accident. Uh, and uh, we're all gonna pay the price because frankly, as you know this, having worked also in government like me, our leaders in Washington, D.C. really don't pay attention to things like uh, history, uh, even though they're paid to. And so we're risking a major war because for Putin, it's strategic. He wants to protect uh, territory near him. He doesn't want to see NATO and American forces so close to Russia. But then it is also this family blood feud. And that's not going to go away no matter how much finger wagging the State Department boys do. I want you to respond to how uh, Secretary of State Blinken responded, if you will, respond to his response on... (laughs) Why we're not sanctioning Russia now? Play that clip. First, we are, as I said, taking action now. We've built up uh, across these many weeks uh, a very strong uh, coalition of countries that has made it very clear it will take very significant action if Russia commits renewed action of aggression. Right. And, and Ukraine is saying you could go harder. You could be stronger. We provided, uh, we've provided very significant military assistance to Ukraine. Uh, we've been taking action against Russian agents in Ukraine. But as to the sanctions, um, the most important thing we can do is to use them as a deterrent, uh, as a means of dissuading Russia from engaging in further aggression. Uh, Once sanctions are triggered, you lose the deterrent effect. What do you make of that? Well, I think it's a bunch of hogwash. Uh, The first point is lethal aid was rendered by the former Trump administration against the wishes of former President Obama and the Democratic Party. Uh, This was never a Biden administration initiative. I think it's hilarious he's taking credit for it. The second point is that the whole point of a sanction, if you're going to do it, is to dissuade the enemy, in this case Russia, from going in and running roughshod over eastern Ukraine. You don't wait till after the fact. 
And so they're not even serious in the Biden administration about stopping this, this from happening, which shows you that we've been totally checkmated by Moscow, and Putin knows it, which is why every time Putin sits with Biden, he's very dismissive in his nonverbal language toward the American president. And so, and I think Blinken ultimately knows that there's nothing that the West can or will do to stop Russian tanks from rolling in. The only thing that can stop Russian tanks from rolling in at this point is if that snow melts early in eastern Ukraine and creates an impassable muddy slush. But right now, that's not going to happen till April. So we've got about, what, 45 days uh, that Putin's going to be able to do something. And I think he will, because he knows he's going up against the gang that can't shoot straight in the Biden administration. This is a disaster, totally avoidable. And I argue had, you know, somebody like former President Trump been in office, we wouldn't be in this position because we wouldn't have been aggravating the Russians. And at the same time, we would have been standing by our friends. We're not doing either very well right now, and it shows. Secretary of State Blinken is making some, uh, well, he's putting out some analysis here about what the government in Russia, what the Kremlin really wants. I wanted you once again to hear what uh, Antony has to say about this and tell us what you think. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, we've been warning about just this kind of tactic uh, for weeks, uh, and we've, uh, we've spoken to that uh, publicly. And just last week, we sanctioned four agents of Russia, uh, Ukrainians, uh, in Ukraine, uh, seeking to destabilize the government. So this is very much part of the Russian toolkit. It runs the gamut from a large conventional uh, incursion or invasion of Ukraine to uh, these kind of destabilizing activities in an attempt to, to topple the government. And it's important that people be on notice about that possibility. I don't think it speaks to whether it's more or less likely. I think it speaks to the fact that, uh, as always, Russia develops uh, lots of different options uh, for uh, uh, doing things, including... Uh, in uh, in Ukraine, and this is one of them, and it's something that people have to uh, have to be aware of. What do you think? I, I think that this is a disaster. I think that it's a fait accompli now that Russia's going to walk in. He's talking about doing all this stuff at the edges, Blinken is. He's not talking about the real issue. The real issue, Russia has been very clear in what their strategic ambition for that region is. And we've done absolutely nothing since Biden took office to dissuade the Russians from not fulfilling that strategic objective. He's talking about sanctioning individuals. There are Russian tanks by the hundreds on the border ready to roll in. You've got Russian amphibious vehicles rolling in to the Black Sea. You've got, you know, these overflights they're doing. You've got Russian special forces moving in. A hundred, I think now, in seven, I think it's 176,000 Russian troops and counting, and they're just getting started. And we're talking about sanctioning some individuals. We look like a joke. And the Russians don't take it seriously. And when you're dealing with the Russians when they're in sort of this power-mad phase, the last thing you want to do is be seen as a pushover or a joke. And so the idea that we're holding our, our you know, big weapons back, the sanctions, is ridiculous. And let's get honest here. Russia's moved so much assets in the region. They're so singularly focused on this one ambition. I don't even know if sanctions at this point is really going to have the intended effect, because all that's going to do if we sanction Russia is they're going to pivot harder to the east, and you're going to see the birth of the new Sino-China, Sino-Russian order that's already starting to develop. And that's an even greater nightmare for the United United States, which is trying to keep Eurasia, Europe and Asia, open to American power. This is not the way to go. What is the way to go? Tell everybody that at home. I mean, if, if, I, could get you, if I could get you in the room with Biden for a minute, and I mean a minute, what would you tell him? 
You're going to have to let Eastern Ukraine go now. We've lost it. But what we have to do is shore up actual Eastern European NATO members. Poland must become the nucleus of resistance to any further Russian aggression. Because once they get Eastern Ukraine, Putin's going to start looking at some of those other former Soviet states, saying, if I can get Ukraine, maybe I can get others. So we're going to have to form a real revitalized coalition with Poland at the tip of the spear for those NATO members that are former Soviet states they will get full carte blanche support because now we're talking NATO members. Ukraine's not a NATO member, so it's a little bit more complicated with them. But Poland and those other former Soviet states in the Baltic Sea area, oh, they are. They are our members, and we will protect them, and we're obligated to. And so that's probably where we should go. Uh, and we're going to have to give up eastern Ukraine. We've been checkmated, in my opinion, unfortunately. Appreciate the analysis. We'll be talking to you more about this as this whole thing unfolds. Thank you. Coming right back with more Hold the Line in a minute, but first I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise that your privacy is guaranteed. We know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and is offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communication is based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, and even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never asks for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com, take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Use the promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Our hearts are broken. We're in shock. Our knees are buckling. And we're angry because we've been here before. We're angry because we saw it coming. We're angry because we said it was going to happen, and it happened again. Anger erupting in New York City after another deadly attack on police officers this past Friday night. 22-year-old rookie Jason Rivera was shot and killed in the line of duty while his partner, 27-year-old Wilbert Mora, is still clinging to life at a local hospital after both officers responded to a 911 call from a Harlem apartment. This is now the fifth NYPD officer who's been shot just this month. But the ambush on our nation's finest is not what's happening just in New York. In fact, last night a D.C. cop was shot and wounded after a man randomly opened fire on him and his partner. So what's going on here? What can be done about it? Our next guest, congressional candidate and mayor of Orland Park in Illinois, has been an avid supporter of the men and women in blue and consistently fights back against progressive policies like defund the police. He joins us now to react, Mayor Keith Peacow. Uh, welcome to the program, sir. You have one of the lowest crime Thanks, rates in the state of Illinois, so you can point to that record. What do you think needs to be done here? Well, first and foremost, the, one of the reasons we have the lowest crime rate is because we support our police. That's what we have to do. We have to get behind and support our police. And he, nationwide and here in the state of Illinois, they passed a bill in the state of Illinois making no cash bail a, the, a thing of the past come January of 2023. And the whole bill is basically a criminalized policing and, make the, and let the criminals run free bill. So we need to get behind our police and support our police. I mean, just here in New York State, for example, the state attorney general, Letitia James, I think is showing some of the way that the conversation has shifted. Back in April of 2021, she uh, had said, we need to talk about the history of policing. 
which is embedded in racism, going back to the slave trade, the slave code, black code, etc. Um, and then on Friday, she was saying all of New York State is in mourning tonight. We pray for the safety of our police and our communities. Uh, we, we've seen, it, it seems, a transition that's happening here, uh, Mr. Mayor, just because of the realities of what the BLM movement has done in this country. And now people are starting to say, including elected officials like the state attorney general in New York, oh, no, we, we support police because without them, our societies crumble and there's crime everywhere. We're seeing the same thing here. We see the mayor of Chicago doing the same thing and backtracking and saying we support the police and now we need to keep people locked up. Well, that wasn't the tune they were singing um, two years ago, and this was entirely predictable. So don't tell us you support the police now when we've put them at risk by allowing criminals to run free and saying that open season on police is okay. There have been many, many people for the last couple of years that have been consistently behind our police. Those are the people you should support, not these people that are backtracking because of political expediency. We have more examples here of people in, in the New York context after what happened this past weekend who have been saying very different things now than they were back then. Um, and obviously some of this is driven by the fact we just had a police shooting, but the crime rate here has been going up and up for months on end. Councilmember Shahana Hanif in January of 2020, more police won't keep us safe. Uh, meanwhile, on Saturday, uh, was saying heartbreaking, uh, heartbroken rather by last night's shooting in Harlem and the violent start to the year. Assemblymember Robert Carroll of Brooklyn, June of 2020, our, our streets have been over-policed and black and brown Americans over-criminalized. Saturday, rest in peace, Officer Jason Rivera, your service will not be forgotten as New Yorkers, we need to come together as one. I, I think it's, it's amazing to watch so many politicians. I'm sure it's very similar. I'm, we could probably pull the same kinds of tweets from Chicago and, and aldermen in the city of Chicago and people that are working for, or perhaps the mayor, uh, mayor herself, uh, it just seems like they were willing to be, when it was politically expedient, very critical of police, even saying the cops were racist. And then when we see what the crime rate is, we see what's happening to officers in increasing numbers, they're saying, yeah, maybe we need to rethink that a little bit. Certainly. And if you go back to the riots of uh, 2020 in June, we declared, aside from the fact that we have 12 million square feet of retail and that those riots tried to come here, we locked everything down. All of our police officers came in, including people who are on vacation, they came in to make sure that our city was safe. The very next day, we declared it uh, our police department's appreciation month. Because in our town, we're not 100% Republican or 90% Republican, it's about 55 to 45. 90% of our town supports police. This is not a Democrat or Republican issue. Both sides of the aisle, the average person Person supports police. They want their they want their towns to be safe, and that's exactly what we've done here. And we've done it first and foremost through supporting our police, but secondly with proactive policies that put that put criminals behind bars or at least put them into the system. Because Kim Fox lets them go here in Chicago, but we continue we continue to catch them. And guess what? When you do that, they stop coming back because they don't want to be caught. While a lot of Democrats in Illinois are fighting to defund the police or have been in the past, you're fighting to back the blue. Tell us about the medals of honor you awarded to police last week. So we had awarded four medals of honor uh, to four officers. And here's the situation that this individual had hit three, had had three hit and runs and the last one disabled his vehicle and he ran behind uh, a store. The eyewitnesses said that he was armed. He hid behind some bushes. We had four officers surround him. He was hidden behind bushes. He said he was armed. He said he was going to shoot them. He came charging out of the bushes, 
with his hand in his pocket, and he pulled out a cell phone. Now, our officers had their weapons drawn, as they should have, and amazingly, they didn't shoot him. It ended up in a scuffle for one of their guns. They eventually subdued the, subdued the individual. But you think about that, what I just told you, how easily, and, and it would have been a justifiable shooting. It just goes to show you, officers don't want to shoot someone. They put their own lives at risk by confirming what he had in his hand. When it could have, if it was a gun, they would have already been shot at. They did all of that because they don't want to shoot anybody. And they ended up subduing him and saving his life because they didn't shoot him. Not Mayor Pecow, why, why are you running for Congress, network. by the way? Before I let you go, I appreciate you talking about the crime issue. Why are you running? I'm running because we need to bring back uh, to America. We need good people in office. We do not need the far left of Nancy Pelosi, Sean Kasten, Marie Newman, who are in our district. And that's why I'm running for Congress. All right. Good luck to you, sir. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Coming up in Quick Hits, we'll show you the sad reality of what second graders in Oregon are going through because of COVID mandates. The picture is worth a thousand sad words. It's coming up. One Provax protester says she'll take 10 booster shots if that's what it takes to get back to normal life. Yikes. And the Prime Minister of New Zealand has taken COVID tyranny to a whole new level. It's time for Quick Hits. Let's get to it and let's talk about what's going on in, first of all, Oregon, elementary schools there. Uh, you have a yearbook photo that I think really captures pretty well what the heck is going on with the madness of the mask maniacs. You see this? You can kind of see it there. All the kids in their second grade yearbook photos are wearing masks. Why is this the case? Why would you have a photo with your mask on as your memento of your time in the school? Are they really trying to tell us that it's unsafe? What if they told the kids to hold their breath just for the photo? I mean, really, I know that's stupid, but this is even dumber. At what point do the libs understand they're being crazy? They need to stop. There's something wrong with them. They are deranged. I don't know if we ever get there. I don't know what it's going to take. They're masking up children for their yearbook photos. Is there anything that is too stupid for them? Is there anything that's too stupid for Fauci? Where he would finally say, no, 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 that, that's not necessary, guys. Don't do that. No, apparently not. It's all, if, if it's mitigation, it's all worth it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how much misery, how much despair it creates for people. As long as it's against the virus, they go for it. Um, there are really people who are honestly deeply emotionally unwell, millions of them, because they've believed Fauci, the CDC, and the Democrat-aligned media, or the Democrat media, same thing, this entire time about COVID. And you see this. There are outbursts that happen. Here's a Provax protester, for example, at a... By the way, I don't even like the terms we use, too. we got to be very clear here. I'm not anti-vax at all. I've been vaccinated so many times. I've been vaccinated for diseases most people have never even heard of because when I was in the CIA, I get deployed to crazy places, and you got to be ready for the diseases that you think are eradicated everywhere else. So... And I've gotten all my shots. I even got a COVID shot. I didn't want it, but New York City made me get one. It's completely useless, as we all know. Useless. J&J &J shot, useless. But here we are, right? So it's just about mandates, about tyranny, about government power. That's the problem here. But, of course, psycho libs don't see it that way, and they act like this when people are at an anti-mandate rally. Here's a Provax loon. Watch.
you see it's a moral crusade for the libs. I'll take 10 shots, I'll take 20 shots because I'm not selfish. Oh, because you're not selfish, you will take 10 shots of a vaccine that obviously doesn't work very well. Hmm. Speaking of vaccine uh, mandates and lunatic libs, New Zealand. You know, uh, you might think of it as a pretty mellow country in the South Pacific, uh, off on its own, really remote from the rest of the world. Um, but actually, it is East Germany with emus. Uh, if you're wondering what it's like these days, they'll go into total lockdown, they will shut you down, they think they can stop Omicron. Here is the New Zealand PM. Remember, I just had Omicron a week ago, folks. For me, it was like a cold, and not even a bad cold. It was a mild, no big deal cold. Just had Omicron. So it's all over the place. Millions and millions of people are getting it. It's everywhere, okay? And they can't stop it. They can tell you they can, they can't. Here's the Prime Minister of, of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, declaring that they're entering the red light phase, total lockdown because of Omicron. The whole of New Zealand will move into the red setting of the traffic light system at 11.59pm tonight, Sunday, 23 January. Disgusting. These libs are out of their minds. By the way, they have the all-time high uh, caseload in Australia, which thought that they beat the virus with their extreme restrictions. Oh, I guess not. I guess it didn't work, libs. Too bad. They're crazy. They just won't, they won't give it up. They won't stop. It really is outrageous. Um, oh, by the way, I almost confused this soundbite with the earlier soundbite. Here's a lib at an anti-mandate protest who gives you really a sense, you know, I'll talk to you about how emotionally stable are mask maniacs. I mean, how, how emotionally stable are they, honestly? Uh, watch this lib, and I think this is a pretty good indicator for what you're dealing with. Stop invading our territory. <laughs> oh man, libs are, they're crazy. They're destroying civilization as we know it, but you know, they are pretty amusing sometimes. As ever tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.